G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, Sky News host James McPherson has been questioning if there's any point at which our culture might be tempted to say enough amid concerns over potential womb transplants. James McPherson is an independent journalist, political commentator. He's the host of the Sky News program, The Late Debate. He is back with us once again today. Hello, James. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Always good to be with you. James, you're in the deep end uh, talking about this too, uh, as we all are coming around some of these scientific developments, and you're describing this as a little bit like science fiction, but the realities are actually uh, here or close upon us. It's quite an incredible scenario, Neil. The Royal Hospital for Women in Sydney uh, in January conducted their first ever womb transplant. Now, there's been about 100 womb transplants around the world, but this is relatively new technology, and certainly in Australia, uh, the operation that happened in Sydney in January was where a mum donated to her own daughter her womb. Uh, her daughter had um, had to have a hysterectomy after difficulties in childbirth. Uh, she wanted to have more children, though, and so, as I said, her mother uh, donated her womb to her daughter. So I think that's an amazing scientific breakthrough where... Um, harm has been repaired because of medical technology. So thank God for that. What was interesting, though, was that the hospital's gynaecologist, Professor Jason Abbott, uh, told the Daily Telegraph here in Sydney that there had been a lot of interest from other women, but also from what he called other groups. Now, that should make us wonder, what, what other groups would be interested in women's spare parts? I think you can guess... But when Professor Abbott was pushed, he had to admit that what he referred to as women assigned male at birth, in other words, biological men wanting to be women, had expressed interest in uh, getting a womb uh, transplanted into them. And uh, the professor said that was definitely an option that the Royal Hospital for Women in Sydney was looking at uh, in the near future. So you've got these good motivations uh, that lead to ethical dilemmas. Depends on who is interested. Hey, I just uh, note that on last night's uh, late debate, uh, you were having a laugh along at the 1980s Monty Python sketch uh, that speculated about the thoughts of men having babies. Uh, it was rather funny back then and uh, didn't seem like a possibility back in the 80s, but, uh, but does seem like a possibility now. Uh, should we still be laughing? Well, uh, I mean, if you don't laugh, you'll cry, Neil. Um, you're referring to the Monty Python sketch back in 1979 oh, where one you. of the Monty Python crew, uh, he insists that he's a woman and he wants to have a baby. And they say to him, well, you can't have a baby. You don't have a womb. There'll be nowhere for the baby to gestate. Well, fast forward to 2023, and it's it's not funny because it's unreal. It's funny in a macabre kind of way because now it's a definite possibility. Um, the Royal Hospital for Women did a seminar online 
on May 30. This is just a few weeks ago. Um, and the lead trial doctor, her name is Rebecca Deans, uh, she said there were no plans at this stage for transplanting female wombs into men who wanted to be women. But she said, we're obviously not excluding this as a possibility in the future. And a registered nurse who attended that session said that there were trans men there, that's women who now identify as men, eager to uh, have their wombs removed as part of this trial because they would get that operation for free and then they could donate their wombs to men wanting to be women. Now, it should be noted, these operations are worth about $100,000 each. So the medical industry have a vested interest here in promoting this because they stand to make a lot of money from men wanting to be women um, having a womb transplanted into them. So the medical industry are not doing this, I don't think, because they uh, have concern for gender dysphoria people or they're genuinely trying to help. There's a lot of money to be made in these new operations. So if you can change your sex gender and do that every year, uh, you might find that there's a financial benefit in the way the surgery actually happens. Hey, there's deeper things too, though, James. Um, the thought that a man could be both father and mother of a baby. Any thoughts here? You've been exploring that thought. Well, it's a definite possibility. If a man used his own sperm to procure the to, to, to fertilise the egg that he'd procured and then that embryo was placed within the womb that he had procured, um, he would give birth to his own baby. So, yet yeah, legally, he would be the mother and the father. Uh, I've got to say, the way things are going in Queensland with the Palaget government, where they've just changed the laws so that you can change sex on your birth certificate without even having had gender reassignment surgery. Uh, you've just got to have someone who provides a, a document saying you've identified as the opposite sex for 12 months. Um, you can elect to leave the birth certificate blank when it comes to sex. Uh, so anything is possible these days, Neil. We literally live in a world where in Queensland now, a woman legally can have a penis because uh, a man can change his birth certificate to say he's a woman, so he'd be a woman with a penis. So that old uh, question, you know, can a woman have a penis? Well, biologically, no, but legally in Queensland, yes. And this new surgery possibility of transplanting wombs raises all sorts of other ethical conundrums such as uh, could a man be both the father and mother of his own child? And that's the way that we're headed. And what comes out of these sorts of changes, uh, someone gets a bright idea, why don't we start an industry here? And once an industry gets started, it's very hard to hold things back. Uh, so you've yeah. got uh, issues around uh, women having a hysterectomy and having a discarded womb. Uh, all sorts of possibilities are coming to mind for all sorts of people who see a business idea in all of that. Well, there's a number of potential victims here, uh, Neil. First, as you referred to, there's, there's gender-confused women who are told, if you change your gender, all your problems will be solved. And so they uh, push towards gender reassignment. And then if they're encouraged to uh, have their womb surgically removed so that they can somehow become a man, I mean, they become victims in this. Then you've got men who were told if they have a womb transplanted into them, they'll be a true woman and somehow they'll be happy. They are certainly a victim here. And then no one's talking about the child who might be born as a result of this process. 
Um, what about the rights of a child to a mother and a father? No one seems to be considering the next generation when we race forward with these medical technologies that are on the one hand quite amazing, but on the other quite dark and quite uh, sinister for the um, consequences that they have. So women donating their wombs uh, to gender-confused men slash people, um, men carrying their own babies even to term, uh, all of the ethical dilemmas, as you say, that come around that and the value of a child uh, who might be the subject of the experimentation, uh, synthetic embryos uh, without a father or mother. Um, What do we think here, James? Is there a Christian dimension here that we can settle on and say, this is the way I can interpret these changes and uh, this might be something that helps me to form an opinion and then even a conviction about these things? How do you think about that? It's interesting the journey that we're on as as human beings at the moment, Neil. I mean, we've now figured out that we can... We can change and mould our environment. I mean, last night here in Sydney, it's quite cold, but uh, thank God for technology, I can push a button and I can literally change the temperature where I am. So that's that's amazing technology. But having mastered control of the world around us, we've we've now taken control of ourselves, and we're manipulating ourselves. A man can be a woman. A woman can be a man. Uh, we can create human embryos, as you just said. The BBC have reported. They've created embryos without egg or sperm. They used stem cells to create a human embryo that they will now do experiments upon. And I must point out, the BBC assured their readers there's no plan uh, that they will grow these synthetic embryos into a baby. And if you believe that, uh, I've got a bridge to sell you. But um, we've got this amazing technology to change the environment. Now we can change ourselves and uh, you just wonder where this is ultimately heading, that ultimately we can corrupt what it means to be a human being. We haven't yet talked about AI and uh, the technology to combine uh, the human brain with um, uh, uh, engineering technology. Um, we, we are starting to get close to changing the very fabric of what it means to be a human being. And this is the ultimate Uh, play when we make gods of ourselves and so we're starting to tread a very fine line I think and as you said at the top of the show we we currently have a culture where uh, the the only goal is progress no one quite knows progress to where it's just continual unrelenting progress and having abandoned right and wrong good and evil normal and abnormal there's no one left to say you know stop enough is enough It's like the only person running the culture now is Victor Frankenstein. So you've got a movement from what has been typically some level of order to what we might describe as disorder or chaos, and we might wonder what the outcome might be. And of course, as you even mentioned, people talking about artificial intelligence being one of the big threats to humanity, but scientific experimentation without regulation. Uh, Do you think, James, that might even be posing a threat to humanity ultimately? There's a lot of talk about that at the moment, both in the medical field and in AI, that we need to quickly develop ethics to uh, safeguard these areas. The problem is we've forged far ahead in science and technology, but we've regressed when it comes to ethics. So we literally don't have the ethical framework to control any of this. There is a biblical parallel 
Neil, that uh, I've been considering, and that is back in the book of Genesis, the Tower of Babel, where people build a tower up into the heavens, and, and God says, if I don't stop them, nothing will be impossible to them. In other words, that they're going to completely destroy everything I've created. And we now are at a similar point in history now. Um, it's not so much a tower made of bricks, but because of technology and advances in scientific knowledge, we literally now are able not just to destroy the environment, i.e. nuclear weapons, we're able to destroy human nature and corrupt it completely. And uh, so the, the problem is, as, as Martin Luther King Jr. once said, you know, we've, we've got guided missiles, but misguided men. And that's our problem. Our science and technology has far outrun our ethical uh, framework to uh, navigate or uh, control any of these things. And I imagine the conversations that we all might have, James, could be very important ones, whether it's that conversation around the water cooler at work uh, or those conversations that come up and maybe even robust debates, we might hope so in some sense, uh, in the university classroom uh, or even just around the dinner table. Uh, Mum, Dad and the kids talking about these things. Uh, is it a good place to start asking that question, what makes us human? How do we prepare for what is coming? Because these sorts of things have a way of permeating uh, all of the uh, industries, all of the social settings. Uh, it'll permeate social media and uh, mainstream media. Uh, you know, asking, are we expendable? Uh, what are your thoughts around framing a conversation uh, with your kids or with your workmates? Yeah, we've got to come back to first principles, Neil. I mean, if there is no God, then nothing is, um, is beyond the bounds of possibility. If there's no God, everything's up for grabs, everything's on the table. Um, but if, if God exists, then there is an order to creation. Um, if God exists, then male and female exist. And so the conversation about who human beings are, what does it mean to be a man, what does it mean to be a woman... Uh, those conversations are incredibly important, and only after we have those conversations can we start to answer the question, just because we can, does that mean that we should? Now, if there's no God, that's where we're left. If we can, then we will. Um, but if there is a God, then, as I said, there's order, there is uh, there are boundaries, and the boundaries aren't to restrict us. The boundaries are actually to keep us safe. And uh, that conversation has to go back to first principles, only then can we find an ethical framework to start to uh, talk through seriously. What do we do with the technology we've discovered? What do we do with the knowledge we now have? How do we use that so it's a blessing to people rather than it becoming a destructive force? As you say, if there's no God, things look a whole lot different uh, to the person who says, because there is a God in heaven, because there is the one who created order out of chaos and because he gave us a cultural mandate uh, go into all the world and have dominion and of course that dominion isn't about domination but it is about uh, creating order and uh, not allowing chaos to take over so there is something at the heart of the Christian believer that actually says we do need to take responsibility James absolutely that's our message and in a world that has completely abandoned truth I mean, the scripture says the church is the pillar of, the, of truth. And so the church and, and Christian people have to be speaking about these things because if we abandon the public square, there's no one left to 
talk about truth, to talk about first principles, to talk about convictions. And so we uh, abandon the next generation to ambitious doctors who see huge dollar signs using technology to um, manipulate vulnerable people and ultimately to corrupt human nature. Well, I know there'll be a lot of listeners uh, who are very pleased that you're bringing these sorts of issues into some level of mainstream spotlight too as host of the Sky News program, The Late Debate. And listeners can see that each night on television, on Sky. James McPherson is an independent journalist, political commentator, and as you can hear, what a wonderful, mature Christian worldview that he brings to the sorts of things that he's bringing commentary to. He's also the author of the book Woketopia, Laying Bare the Lunacy of Woke Culture. And you can get some, uh, some of these sorts of articles that James writes. Uh, when you subscribe, you can subscribe for free at jamesmcpherson.substack.com. Uh, get these articles, these sorts of things we talk about in your inbox each day. jamesmcpherson.substack.com. Uh, James, great update as always. Thanks so much for sharing these thoughts. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.